We're going to read together from Matthew's Gospel tonight. We're going to commence our reading in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36. Matthew chapter 24 and at verse 36 for a brief Bible reading. It's been on my heart today to speak along this line for a little while this evening. There are many evenings that could be spent on speaking about uh, prophetic issues and many aspects of the Lord's return, but let me just stick with the central issue this evening that He is coming again for sure. So, Matthew chapter 24, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Now let's unite our hearts in prayer together as we come to the Word of God. Loving Father, again, we lift up our hearts on this very nice evening, and to be together in the house of God with the lights on and the heat on and everything is congenial to comfort. We pray this evening, Lord, that we shall not be so comfortable that we are undisturbed, that we are undisturbed by the challenge and the call of thy word. We pray thee, Lord, that even though physically we may have many conveniences uh, in all of these things, we pray this evening, Lord, that more importantly, we shall be touched and moved and stirred spiritually. Speak, O blessed Master, in this sacred hour. Let us see thy face, Lord, and feel thy touch of power. Speak, O blessed Master, this evening again into our hearts by thy Holy Spirit. I trust thee, Lord. I pray this night that Jesus will be seen and felt and known as a living, powerful, present reality amongst us together. Put upon us, Lord, the unction of the Spirit, and between us and a raging enemy, the shelter of the Savior's blood that we are assured of and form from thy word, and continue, Lord, to help us within the walls of thy protective care to experience something of heaven on earth this night. Oh, my Lord Jesus, do what needs to be done and send what it takes, Lord, to accomplish what you want to do. And tonight, Lord, we shall give to thee all the praise and all the honor and all the glory 
for thou alone art worthy. Amen and amen. You know, as a young man, I had the tremendous privilege of being born into a Christian home and growing up in that home and being taken along to meetings. And I had a godly uncle uh, who lived not very far from where Roy's wife and uh, family, older family come from, uh, her parents actually. Uh, so it was a, a privilege to be brought up in that environment. And uh, for invariably as we would go along on Sunday evenings to the little Methodist church in Newton Stewart that was given to my uncle for those eight o'clock meetings, speakers would come along and share in so many different aspects of biblical truth. And one of those was the fact that Jesus Christ was coming again. And that always stirred me. Yes, the message of the cross, which we've been sharing with you on previous evenings, was very real, very powerful. Uh, Calvary was uh, spelt out in very clear notes in all its tremendous majesty and its power. Its power to forgive sins, its power to restore backsliders, its power to sanctify the people of God. And my dear friends tonight, I've never lost the wonder of the concept of the cross and all the aspects of Calvary's sacrifice and what it does for sinners and for sin. And thank God tonight for a full remedy in a full redemption. We have a free and a full salvation, freedom from all sin and holiness by faith in Jesus, not by effort of my own sin's dominion crushed and broken by the power of grace alone. God's own holiness within me, his own beauty on my brow, this shall be my pilgrim brightness, this my blessed portion, not just when I get to heaven, but this my blessed portion now, now. You know, on the very first Monday evening, I was speaking on that word at the beginning of Isaiah 43, but now. And that seemed to have got a hold of a number of people, though it was never in my mind to uh, have that emphasis in that message. But it did seem to grip some people, but now. And thank God we're still in the but now of this Thursday evening that the Lord is with us again. And as I said, in those meetings, the Lord would speak to my heart. Of course, there were men who came and spoke about the Lord's return. And I knew in my heart that Jesus Christ was coming again. I had no questions in my mind about that great reality because God has said it, I believe it, and praise God, that settles it. I knew. And whenever somebody would preach on the Lord's return, I would get concerned because I knew that if Jesus came, what we have read tonight would become a reality. And what was that reality? Two would be working in the field. One would be taken and the other would be left. Two would be grinding at the mill. One would be taken, the other left. Two would be sleeping in bed. One would be taken and the other left. And sometimes it used to concern me deeply and I would listen sometimes to hear if my parents were still in bed, still in the room next to my room in the old country house there between Oma and Newton Stewart. And then time and again, the Spirit of God would work in my heart and I would realize, I need to get ready. I need to get ready because Jesus is coming again. And ladies and gentlemen, that is more potent tonight than it was in 1962 and earlier. 
It is more real to me tonight that we are nearer to the Lord's return than we have ever been before. It's like the little girl who was traveling, walking home from school one day, and the clock in the town began to strike. And it strike right round 9, 10, 11, 12 strokes, 13. And she wondered as she went home. And when she got home, she says, Daddy, it's later than it's ever been before. It's later than it's ever been before. And ladies and gentlemen, it's later than it's ever been before. If we were spiritual tonight, we would agree that the Lord's return is near. The bridegroom is almost back. And that's my message tonight. The bridegroom cometh. And as the Lord Jesus was on earth, he spoke not only about the cross that he was going to, but he spoke about his coming again. And over 318 times in the New Testament, there are references either directly or indirectly to the fact that Jesus is coming again. And friends, he would only need to say it once to make it stick. But when he says it again and again, then we've got to get the message not only into our heads, but into our hearts that there is a day coming, a moment, whenever the earth's people will realize that what God has said in his word has actually happened. The king has come again. The bridegroom has come again. And when Jesus was speaking, he took his disciples to the Mount of Olives. And over this chapter and following, we have what is known as the Olivet Discourse. Because in the Olivet Discourse, he majors on the fact that he's coming back again. Let me ask you the question. If Jesus came tonight, if tonight the trumpet should sound, would you be left behind sitting in a pew in the Lifeboat Church? Or would you rise to meet the Lord and be with him in the air and be with him forever in the glory? Because that day is coming. He says in his word, the Lord himself, not an angel, not an archangel, the Lord himself shall appear, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ, thank God for the dead in Christ tonight, of our loved ones who have died in Jesus Christ, we have parents. My parents are gone home to be with Jesus. My latest uncle went home to be with the Lord a couple of years ago, 97 years of age. But friends, there's coming a day whenever they will rise to meet the Lord in the air and thank God for that glorious day. Now, I don't know if I'll join them in the same cemetery at Port Rush or if I'll be alive and walking or traveling or something, but I'll be somewhere. I'll either be in the ground waiting for his return, or I'll be on earth somewhere waiting for his return. Let me ask you the question, if this was your night, either to be called from time to eternity, or this was the night even in the stillness of this sanctuary and this service, if suddenly the trumpet would sound, what would be the end result of the meeting tonight? What would be the outcome of the evening? So many tonight ready for the Lord's return? I hope tonight you're right on tiptoe for his return. 
I hope tonight that your lamps are burning and your head is lacking no ointment, that the Spirit of God is on you, not only in residency, but in divine presidency, not only as a Savior from a guilty past, but a sanctifier from an unclean heart. Oh, my dear people tonight, to have the oil and to be filled and to be watching and waiting and looking above, filled with his goodness and lost in his love. Way back in the war years, General Douglas MacArthur was leading the Allied forces in the Philippines. And then he got a call from Eisenhower, General Eisenhower, to go to the South Pacific and head up the whole South Pacific forces. And so on the 11th of March, 1941, 1942 actually, MacArthur told the people of the Philippines, I came through, I shall return. I came through, I shall return. He departed to take his new posting in the South Pacific. Some 18 months or thereabouts later on, on the 20th day of October, 1944, General Douglas MacArthur came back again to the Philippines. My people tonight, there is a commander greater than Commander Douglas MacArthur. There is a general tonight much infinitely greater than MacArthur. And he said, I came through. I came through. And I came to be humiliated. I came to be set at naught. I came to be spat upon. I came to be crucified. I came to give my life as a sacrifice. I came to be nailed to a cross for a lost mankind. I came on a rescue mission all the way from glory right down into this world. But he said again, I will come again because this unique Christianity that we have has a founder that lived and died and lives again. And there's no religion in the world that has a founder that lived and died and lives again. Muhammad lived and died. Buddha lived and died. Zoroaster lived and died. And Buddha lived and died. But Jesus lived and died and lives again. Amen. Good. Somebody shouts hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. We're here because he's alive. We're because here because the tomb is empty. My friends, we went with some years to Israel and when you walk down from Calvary's little hillside and you walk down to the garden, you come to the garden tomb and there's a door just like that door into the cave and right there on the door it says, He is not here. He is risen. He is not here. He is risen. And the great vindication of Christianity is the reality of the empty tomb. But He's gone back to be with the Father. But before he left, he said to his disciples, I will come again. The bridegroom cometh. There's a lovely hymn in our hymn book, and there is a verse in it that says this, When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white, pure and white in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansions bright and be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Well, let me just develop the message a little bit this evening. You know, whenever Jewish weddings were held and we were there in the, one of the kibbutzim at the time, we were right there and there was a Jewish wedding. Weddings are at night time. 
And the bride is here with her entourage of ladies. But somewhere off in the distance is the bridegroom. And he's coming with his entourage of servants. And he's coming for his bride. And so the bride, she puts out lookouts who are watching for the bridegroom. Because what he tries to do in custom and Jewish custom is to sneak up and get as close to her as possible. You wouldn't want to be a bride, would you, in Israel? Get sneaked up and caught. Some of you hadn't got snuck up on yet, but you will. Someday the bridegroom will snuck up on you and you'll find the perfect man. Just like Yvonne found the perfect man so long ago. I can see somebody's enjoying that because she's watching for the perfect man yet. Anyhow, the bridegroom cometh, says the Lukites, because they see the little lights flickering as the bridegroom is on the way. And someday, friends, they'll not just be flickering torchlights coming sneaking through the olive groves of Israel. There'll be a cloud burst as the heavens are rent and the king, the bridegroom, has come. I came through to suffer, to bleed, to die, to provide salvation, to provide cleansing and healing for all. Have you ever trusted the Lord Jesus for that? Have you ever put your hand into the nail-pierced hands of Jesus? Have you ever knelt at the cross? You say, oh, Eric, yes, I have. And I remember when I did it, but tonight you're speaking to a man or you're speaking to a woman that has drifted away. And tonight I'm in the service, but I'm not in touch with the Lord. Here, you're here in the right night. You're here on a good night. You're here on the opportune moment to get right back to the Lord, to get real close again to Him. And my invitation to you is this, like in Noel Grant's lovely hymn, come back, come back, come back to your first love and walk down the old paths again. Back to the old paths of righteousness. Back to the old wells again. He your spirit will restore. Every promise is sure. Won't you walk down, man? Won't you walk down the old paths again? Will you do that? Will you step out tonight? Humble yourself under the hand of God? Don't worry about anybody else. Some people might think you're right with God, that you're in touch with God, that all's well. But you know, you know, you know how you are with God. You know where you are. And you know that there needs to be business settled and transacted between you and the Lord tonight. Don't step out without seeking Him. Don't step out without clinching it. Put your hand into His hand. My dear man, if I could carry you to Jesus, I would do it. I would do it. But I can't carry you to the Lord Jesus. But the Spirit of God has come to carry you to Jesus. And as you yield to Him, He will bring you right to the cross. And as you kneel there this evening, in a little while when I finish this service, or even now, even now, you can kneel at the cross in your heart and say, Lord Jesus, you've found me out. You've found me out. And now I'm going to clinch it. 
Now I wrap myself round the old rugged cross and I cast myself on the rock of ages and I am trusting Thee, Lord Jesus, trusting only Thee, trusting Thee for full salvation, great and free. Would you do that? Would you do that even now? Don't wait till the end of the service. Just come as you are. Just come now. Just at this moment, as I speak to you, don't wait for an invitation at the end of the service, but close in with the Lord Jesus. The bridegroom cometh. My first little thought tonight is, and I might just really abbreviate the message, it is the bridegroom cometh. Be ready. Be ready. That's what the Lord Jesus said. Therefore, be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. You know, some years ago, I was driving home into Port Rush. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon. And I turned on the car radio, and immediately I turned it on. I knew that something cataclysmic had happened in the world. The whole news was just, re- just uh, ablaze with something that was unparalleled. Do you know what had happened? It was 9-11. It was 9-11, 2001. That 11th day of September, 2001, whenever those planes flew into the Twin Towers and over 3,000 people were launched out into eternity, people in planes, people in the towers as they came stumbling down in dust and people overwhelmed and everything that day was turned around in our world to look on the Twin Tower cataclysm. I remember exactly where I was. I was coming down the bends round just by the golf course and the caravan park on the other side. That's exactly where I was when I heard. I'll never forget that moment. Another moment that stands out in my mind is when I turned on the news. The first news of the morning, just whenever I'd woken up, I turned on the news. And there on that morning, the 31st of August, it was 1997, we heard the news that Princess Our Lady Diana had tragically lost her life. I knew exactly, I know exactly where I was in that moment when the news flashed round the world. There will come a moment when I will be somewhere in bed, in the car, in the house, somewhere when the trumpet sounds. You too, will be somewhere when the trumpet sounds. And then in that moment, in that twinkling of an eye, and I'm told that the twinkling of an eye is 0.2 of a second. In that moment, those who are ready will go to be with Jesus. Those who are not will have no time to prepare. No time to prepare. It will be over. And those who are ready will be ready. 
And those who have not readied themselves will be unready and will be left behind when Jesus comes. That day or that moment when the Lord Jesus will appear is near. There are many things that point in that direction and I'm not going into them all this evening. I could take time, but this is a meeting where I, I'm not a long preacher. I don't think I am anyway. <laughs> Sometimes you think maybe I'm long enough, but <laughs> I don't think I'm terribly long, not whenever you're around some people. So I'm kind of abbreviate and short and get to the issue because Mr. Moody, he said he just felt like preaching 20 minutes. And Mr. Moody led a lot of people to Jesus by preaching 20 minutes. <laughs> And my mighty message is sometimes a little longer than that, but I trust that whatever length of time they are, they are instruments to lift you from where you are, to bring you into the refuge of the Savior's grace and power. But the Bible says it's a moment that no man knows, no angel knows, no one but the Father. The trumpet will sound. The archangel's voice will be heard and then we will know that what the speaker spoke about was true, was real, and the issue was something that ought to have been addressed. You're here this night. And maybe like me as a young man, whenever those issues were spoken about, you felt, and you felt it keenly, that it was time to get ready for Jesus' return. This is a good evening, ladies and gentlemen. People, this is a good evening to trust the Savior, to make ready for the King's return, for the Lord is coming again. Be ready. The second thing I want to say is this. The bridegroom cometh, be working. Be working. Because we read these words. In verse 46, Jesus said, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord shall find so doing. What does he mean? So doing, serving, serving. He addresses his disciples. And whenever the Lord's return is coming near, then we need to be engaged. We need to be active in the service of Jesus. The sad thing is that in the latter days, it seems like the condition of people is to be lukewarm. The Laodicean church, you might have heard of that in Revelation chapter 3, the sign of the last stage church, the last church kind of period before Jesus comes, a lukewarm church. Are you lukewarm tonight? Not hot, not cold, kind of tepid, sickening type of people? Oh, my dear people. Jesus said, I would you were hot or cold, but I don't like you lukewarm. I'd rather be hot for Jesus, Roy. I'd rather be out and out for Jesus. Be out and out for him or out and out for the devil, but don't serve. Try to serve both. <laughs> don't try the two ride two horses. Don't try to look both directions. Get out a hot for Jesus. Are you hot for Jesus tonight? Are you working? Are you serving? That hymn, when the roll is called up yonder, you know the last verse says, Let us labor for the master from the dawn till set of sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. 
because we have only one life. And it's going past fast. And only what's done for Jesus, isn't that what the song says? Only what's done for Jesus will last. And when that day comes, what we have done is all that we will have done. It's all we will do. And it's good to do what you can, when you can, so that when you look back, you will have no regrets. Old John Brasher was a great old preacher. He was one of the old fiery holiness preachers in the camp meetings in America. He preached until he was over a hundred years of age. Preached a mighty sermon on this hundredth birthday to a great congregation of people. And he said there were three things about his life. He had no reserves. He said he had no reversals. And he believed that he would have no regrets. And if you have no reserves and you're all on the altar sanctified to the world in sin you've died and you're out and out for Jesus, then there will be no reversals. No looking back. No hanging back. But up on the traces and pulling for Jesus and the cause of the kingdom of God. And do you know something? In all eternity you will have no regrets. I remember a good friend of ours Brother, Brother Harry Scott up there in Lisnerski, now quite an elderly man. Some of you may know him, some of you may not know him. He used to pray and he used to say sometimes, Lord, we have all of life to win our battles. But he says we'll have all eternity to count our victories. And I would like to win the many battles I could so that I would be able to count the many victories with the Lord Jesus and the sanctified hosts of glory. This evening, let me ask you, in the light of the bridegroom's near return, are you doing what you can do whilst you have breath and talent and a sound mind and a healthy body? Are you doing what you can do to spread the kingdom message and call people to the cross? Are you seeking to bring people in? You say, yeah, Pastor Eric, I've prayed for a lot of people and I've invited a lot of people, but all I get is no, 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 or I'll come some other time. And you kind of get to a stage where you think, I don't know whether you should ask anybody more. <laughs> well, that's what the devil wants you to do. He just wants you to hang back until Eric Stewart and Yvonne Stewart go back to Port Rush and things settle back into the routine again. My dear people, God has you here tonight to put you on marks and get steady, ready, steady, go. Go for the gospel of Jesus because the bridegroom is coming. And Jesus said, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord shall find serving. There is a blessing in serving the Lord. Oswald J. Smith was a great preacher, great missionary statesman, and he wrote a beautiful hymn, There is Joy in Serving Jesus. And thank God tonight there is the satisfaction, the joy that we get in being on the front line for Jesus is more than any other, any other buzz that we could ever get in the world. But if you're lukewarm, you'll have no joy either in the world nor in Jesus. So you better step up. Say, Lord, here I am. I'm putting my life on the line tonight. I will be on the altar sanctified for Jesus, and I want a new surge of His power, His unction, His anointing on my life. Oh, yes. What about that tonight? What about that tonight, believer? You know, in my life, I have a little prayer 
have a number of very, very uh, familiar prayers that I pray. And invariably, my prayer is, oh, for a new anointing. Oh, for a heavenly flame. Oh, for a new anointing to glorify thy name. Oh, for sin and self to cease. Oh, for a sense of inward peace. Oh, for thy glory to increase. Oh, Savior, anoint me now. And then another one. Oh, fill me with thy fullness, Lord, until my very heart and life overflows in kindling thought and glowing word, thy love to tell, thy praise to show. My dear people tonight, I'm challenging you in the name of Jesus tonight. The bridegroom cometh. Have you consecrated your life to the Lord? Have you put your all on the altar for God? Paul said, I plead with you. I beseech you. By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. God doesn't want dead sacrifices. He wants living sacrifices. And he wants you. And there might be even a missionary. And there might be even an evangelist. And there might be even somebody this evening who is going to get a new touch of fire on their soul and you're going to go away from the mission and say, you know, God not only saved sinners, but he got a hold of me and he's calling me and he's put his hand on me. He did that for me. Before I was 20 years of age, God called me. He filled me with his spirit. And a gracious divine visitation came on my young heart three years after I was saved. And you know, God began to open doors for me. And when I was still 19, I started preaching. And here I am, just a month off 76 years of age, and still at it, hammer and tongs. Oh, I have no regrets, friends. And if you could get into my shoes and enjoy the life service that I have enjoyed, then you would know that it's worth all it costs to be holy. It's worth all it costs to be true. God's blessing and honor will crown you. And with power, your life he will end you. The bridegroom cometh. Be ready. The bridegroom cometh. Be working. The bridegroom cometh. Be watching. Be watching. In the very next chapter, Jesus tells the story about the ten virgins. And he speaks about them that whilst the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. The old English word is they napped. They napped. I hope you're not caught napping. Five were wise and five were foolish. But the thing about them all was that whilst the bridegroom tarried, they became unwatchful. And there are those tonight who are unwatchful. They have got their eye on the stocks and shares, perhaps. They've got their eye on purchasing more property. They've got their eye on some better car. I see a lot of very nice motors traveling around now these days, even since all of this whole pandemic thing. There's Teslas around. Uh, there's a couple of McLarens. There's actually a McLaren in Port Rush. You know, wealthy people live in Port Rush. <laughs> 
not in my street, just around the corner a bit from me, you know. But my friends, what about that? I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. And you know he said, the important thing that ought to have been observed by these girls was to watch. And he emphasizes that. And are you watching is my question tonight. What are your eyes on? What's the focus of your attention? What's your interest? What is your major interest tonight? Is it his kingdom? His near return? Fanny Crosby never had sight from she was a small little girl, three years of age or something, I think, and she lived to be over 90, was converted when she was 30 or thereabouts, and wrote so many, was it 6,000 hymns or something she wrote? And then she wrote, Blessed Assurance. And then she wrote in the last verse of Blessed Assurance, watching and waiting, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness and lost in his love. A blind hymn writer with the eyes of her soul focused on the heavens, watching for the bridegroom's return. My dear people tonight, we could not be more watchful than we ought to be just now. Jesus said, seeing, or through Peter, he said, seeing ye know these things, he said, watch. Watch and be sober. Watch for the return. is coming. He's coming soon. The hymn says, he's coming soon. He's coming soon. And for those who are right up in the line with Jesus, with joy, We'll welcome his returning. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. It may be morn. It may be noon. We know he's coming soon. The bridegroom cometh, says the Bible. The bridegroom cometh, says Jesus. The bridegroom cometh. That's the message of the evening. Now, my dear people, here we are at the end of the message tonight. And you're sitting and you've been listening and you've been listening well and you've heard what I've been saying and you've felt something of the challenge and something of the call and something of the claims of the issue in light of the Lord's return. And I wonder tonight what business you need to do to be ready at a maximum readiness for the trumpet sound and for the Lord's return. Do you need this evening to come and leave your sinful ways and turn from them and seek the Lord and come to the cross of Calvary and bow your knee and your heart and open up to the Savior? That's maybe the issue of the evening for you. You have come in tonight, drifted in perhaps, or purposefully come in tonight, maybe for all I know, to settle it and to seek the Lord. Well, God will help you. 
He'll not leave you in your lostness another night if you've come to get right with God. He's here to save you. He's here to bring you into the family and kingdom of God. He's here tonight to give you a full pardon. But he's here tonight as the loving master and bridegroom of the church. And for you and me, he's loved the church, says the Bible, and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it unto himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. Oh, yes, he loved the church, and he wants a spotless, clean, shining bride, full of himself, and full of divine love for himself. All of that tonight is in the blessing of the fullness of the Spirit. Have you ever trusted the Lord for such a blessing? You say, you know, Eric, I'm saved. But I couldn't say that there ever was a point in my life whenever I bowed and put my life on the altar for God and waited until the fire fell and consumed the sacrifice and lifted me on to a plane of divine and enervating and energizing so that I might be able to say that when the Holy Ghost came upon me like an act said that as the power of God came on my life I couldn't say that not yet friends I'll never forget when the fire fell on my heart it's not just a doctrine to me it's a mighty experience And that put me into the work of the kingdom in a way which I had not been involved. And from then till now, I have known the tremendous blessing of that critical moment, followed by a life of devotion and service to Jesus that hasn't always been easy, but it's always been rewarding. Always been rewarding. And I have no regrets tonight. If I had my life to live over, I would do it all again. I'd take my body and put it before God and say, here's my hands, Lord. Here's my mind. Here's my feet. Here's my heart. Here's my will. Here's my love. Here's my all, Lord. Here's my will. Take it. Have it. All of it. And infuse it with your life. And put me into your kingdom service to be a worker for Jesus at home or maybe young people, maybe abroad for the Savior. You will look back in years to come and say, thank God there came a moment when as a young believer or older, I put my heart and everything I had and have and am and laid it at the feet of Jesus and said, take the sacrifice, Lord, consume it, and make me a living flame. As young people, we used to sing. And Yvonne was there, and I didn't really know her that much at that time. She came from a different part of the country as me. I was from the Wild West, and she was from the cultured east of Carrickfergus. And we met together, and we fell down somewhere in the middle of the two. Uh, she got a little, uh, the blessing of 
having somebody from the West, and I got the blessing of having somebody from the East. And you know, down through the years, God has helped us, and we used to sing in those days, a blaze for Christ, a flame of fire for Him, a blaze for Christ, for Jesus' souls to win, a life redeemed, a life of holiness unto Him, a life on fire for God and souls, a blaze for Christ. That, my dear Christian friends, tonight is the fire that burns in my heart. That tonight is my desire for those that I meet on life's journey, not only to see people come to the cross and experience the joy of sins forgiven, but to see believers come to the same cross and put their lives at the feet of Jesus to be taken up into his purpose and filled with his spirit and sent forth in his power that Jesus might be glorified, the kingdom extended, and then when the trumpet sounds to go to be with Jesus, to be forever with the Lord. Oh, amen. I trust tonight that if God has spoken into your heart and said, you know, Eric, that's, that's what I would like. That's what I need. I, I feel convinced in my spirit. I should biz, do business with God. Well, what about it? Now's the time. God's opportunity to clinch the issue with Jesus for the rest of your life.